Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. One gift that never gets returned? Trick question. It's three gifts, beer, wine, and spirits. And with Drizzly, you can send the gift of drinks right to your loved one's doors. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and holiday spirits, then get them delivered right to that lucky someone's door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code JINGLE at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. Hello and welcome to the Football Grad Podcast, the post-Soviet football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host Manuel Beff, and as always, I'm joined by Andrew Flint all the way in Siberia. A- Andrew, I don't have my cell phone anywhere, so um, I, I don't know how bitterly cold it is there, uh, but that said, uh, it's t-shirt and shorts weather here, so I just wanted to share that with you. Yeah, well, I, I've long since learned to to remember the fact that you are utterly brutal in your um your takedowns of my my situation <laughs> over here. Um, but I I console myself with the fact that I will be the one watching Tom Tom's live in the Fennel this Saturday. So I think oh, I win. Oh, Tim 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 is a man who appreciates quality. You see. <laughs> um, but, uh, <laughs> and of course, Tim also knows the highlight of that visit, which will, of course, be the halftime. Sharma. Um, but you have to pay for that, right? Yeah, but, yeah I pay, they, they, they pay me back by treating me as a VIP, so that's good enough. For me. I do actually <laughs> want to talk to you about Tom Tom's going a little bit, um, Andrew. I, I know it's not on the agenda. But I knew that I had something forgotten, so I will actually want to ask you a few things about that um, because that's a curious case, in my opinion. We'll, we'll get to there. Uh, I, I'm glad that you know things aren't uh, quite that bad. I'm glad things are good. Anyways, you already heard the voice, Tim. Um, yeah, t-shirts and shorts weather. Um, Tim Buckner, Jeff, everyone joining us once again. Uh, it's it's been glorious few days in the West Coast, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's it's been great. Uh, I really enjoy uh, walking to uh, the to work just like in in my normal outfit and without any super extra uh, clothing. And Andrew, by the way, uh, in some news, we also have um, an equivalent of shawarma here. It's slightly different uh, from the classic uh, Geolog one, uh, but uh-huh. it's still they call it. Uh, I think they call it shawarma or something like that. But it's, 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 it's fairly similar. They just keep, uh, cut the meat a little bit, uh, less than they cut, uh, back home. Uh, but we can compete with you on that front. And of course, it's not as glorious as that legendary Geolog shawarma, which you, <laughs> which you always, uh, brag about. And I absolutely agree with you. Those, those, this is great. Uh, but yeah, we, we're also trying to catch up to the legendary Geolog style and, uh, 
You know, I mean, I I understand Canada has to try and catch up to to (laughs) Siberia on the food front. This is a valiant effort, and to be fair, nobody in the world can compete. So (laughs) it's 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 one of those things where if you don't meet up to the standard, then it's no it's no shame in the matter. It's it's like um, you know, it's like CSK Moscow coming to the Geolog and place and playing Chumen and being absolutely annihilated nil nil on penalties. Um, (laughs) There's no shame in it because you can't match up to Chumen. Uh, although Canadian food standards probably mean in Canada is real meat, Andrew. Um, just want to just throw that out there. You know, you're, there's not a real shawarma unless there's some kind of food scandal involved. So you, you probably win on that front as well. <laughs> I, I'm not going to deny it is part of the usual ingredient, shall we say. Um, but that's all part of the experience, isn't it, Manny? Yeah. I, I mean, Kebab, shawarma, <laughs> whatever you call it, um, is definitely a staple of my food when I'm in Europe, um, and definitely something I miss when I'm when I'm out here. Um, but yeah, um, so I think you still hold the advantage there, no matter what Canadian co- kitchens uh, cook up. Um, I, I, I'm still magnanimous to at least give me that. I can cling on to that. At least I will always win that, even if I lose everything else. Quizzes, fresh <laughs> food. At least I will always have the shawarma. So I, I thank you for letting me have that. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, and you got the the glorious FNL um, as well. So you know, <laughs> there's lots of things. You got two teams to cover. Um, <laughs> speaking of the two teams that you do need to cover, Andrew, we have like oh, the qu- quick hit news. Uh, we're back to that section now that the leak stuff is happening. Pokrepniak, we mentioned him. Um, about two weeks uh-huh. ago now, right? The, or three weeks ago, I guess it was the week before the quest, um, about possible punishment because, um, of things that he said, uh, you know, let's just name it as it is. He made a, ra- he made a racist comment. Um, punishment is down, Andrew. Um, tell us what exactly have they come down with? It doesn't sound like they really handed him a heavy punishment in this one. Well, exactly. Um, I don't think any of us are particularly surprised. Um, there was talk of a possible life ban from football, which even that in itself would have been laughable, given that he's 35 and his football career ended realistically some time ago. Um, it, it, he doesn't have a lifetime ban. He's not even banned for a single game this season. He's been given two and a, 250,000 rubles. Fine. Which is the, uh, it's about three and a half thousand pounds. I don't know in Canadian dollars, but, um, it's not much in the context of a, of an international footballer who's played in Germany and England. Um, and he's been given a suspended ban for the rest of the season pending any future offenses. So basically he's been given a, the slightest rap on the knuckles. Just give us a few quid a few rubles just to keep people quiet. Um, I, I, I don't know why I, I had even the slightest hope of anything more stringent than that. Um, but they, that's what it is. Um, and, um, yeah, people who agree with him, uh, and there are plenty of them. Um, Roman Pavlyuchenko was very vocal supporting him. Um, I think worryingly a large majority of Russian football, um, players, management, would also agree with him, but there are, there are plenty of, there's plenty of support for him and that's going to be the end of it. We're not going to hear any more of it. Yeah. It's, it's unfortunate. Um, very unfortunate. You know, you kind of hope that, 
it's you know without the World Cup too, that means there is almost no attention on this either. Um, there was almost no nothing in the the Western news about this. You remember if this would have happened before the World Cup? Oh man, yeah, the yeah, BBC yeah. would have been all over this and uh, would have asserted pressure, rightly so, in some ways. But I guess the World Cup has moved on to Qatar. We have other things to worry about, like um, 24 team. FIFA Club World Cup and 48 teams at the Qatar, Dubai, uh, I don't know, Saudi World Cup or whatever that beast is going to be like when, uh, when it hit the desert in November 2022. So yeah, lots of other things to worry about. So I guess this one just fell through the cracks. Um, falling through the cracks is also Kirichenko, the UFA manager. Yeah. <laughs> um, Tim, kind of. I guess when you look at the results at Ufa, we kind of saw that coming a little bit, didn't we? Yeah, Ufa's definitely do not having a great season this year. This is one of the best well-run clubs in Russia. It's a small club, uh, but the way they work is very, very respected in Russian football. Uh, just for our international listeners, they produced uh, Zinchenko, who plays now uh, for Manchester City. That was their find, and this is how and they developed him and then sold off for millions of dollars to Manchester City. It was purely their scouting and their developing job. Uh, there's uh, quite a few other examples on the lower scale. But players who started at Ufai and uh, then went on to a slightly bigger Russian clubs and have been successful there. Now, for example, Lunyov, who is a goalkeeper for Zenit right now and uh, now the goalkeeper of uh, National Russia team. So Ufai is a really well club and out of all the clubs which are fighting relegations, this is the club which we all don't really want to see uh, go because really they um, they produce players and they do the right thing. But uh, this uh, season, the first time got into Europa League and um, things didn't go that well. Obviously, in the beginning of season, they were focused on Europa League and tried to get into the group, uh, which they didn't really qualify. But uh, they lost uh, quite a few points and that since... Uh, uh, that since then it has been uh, the story. So um, obviously, you know, they're still in that very dangerous relegation zone, and uh, their current manager, who is the former uh, uh, very successful Russian striker uh, Kirichenko, was sacked as uh, uh, as their manager, and it looks like Vadim Yevseev, who worked um, as a second coach and assistant coach, and then interim coach at Amkar, and uh, before that uh, worked at Ska Khabarovsk. Mm. Um, he is uh, rumored to take over Ofa, so we'll see uh, what will happen. But they need this push, maybe, of the new coach and uh, the changing. Vadim Ivseev has been a very talented uh, Russian um, coach, young coach, who has been uh, fairly successful with uh, a few smaller clubs. So this is kind of his big chance, his big job in terms of uh, really he needs to fix situation right here, right now. And if they stay in the league, it will be a good project for him because he, like we said, he is a young coach. Um, he works well. He has usually a very good connection with um, uh, with the players. So going back to his playing years, he was he was a player with uh, Spartak and Lokomotiv and he always was very open and upfront and um, with, with the journalists, with everyone else. So I think that's his style. He is directed his players and I think they like that so we'll we'll have to see I wish him a lot of success and like I said I really want Ufa I'm absolutely non-biased here I don't really care who gets relegated I don't really have big uh, supports but Ufa is one of those clubs which I personally really if I had a choice I'll stay them in the Premier League because they're they're doing the right thing they're developing players and they are the, one of the smaller interesting clubs in Russia so we'll have to see but uh, that's an interesting change and hopefully 
uh, it all works out in support of UFA. Yeah, just maybe to add my mm-hmm. 50 rubles to this, I think that playing in that Europa League qualification, um, you know, if you're a small club, you see this all the time. Yeah. Uh, when small and medium sized clubs, um, you know, are forced to play in the, the Europa League qualifying, um, and then eventually they, they didn't make it to the, the group stage, right? Which has probably been a blessing in disguise for them because they just don't have the, the depth capacity. Yeah. yeah the capacity. And I, I, you know, we had the, we had a similar problem with, uh, Freiburg, uh, last season who were also playing in the qualifying rounds of the Europa League and the same, probably the equivalent of UFA, um, the German <laughs> equivalent <laughs> of UFA, right? And they. Streich. Yeah, and they, they struggled with relegation all season after that, even though, I mean, they, they're a solid club, but it's just, they don't have the base to play in that. And that's, that's, that's unfortunate because like they're almost the victims of their own success. Exactly. Right. So the, the Europa League it, it is a great competition. I, it's a competition I really enjoy, but I think in that, in that regard, they really have to think about, okay, well, if the, the teams that finish six to seven sometimes are just not big enough to, to play those extra rounds of football. Um, so yeah, interesting one that you see that they, uh, um, with 20 games played, they've only collected 16 points, a lot of draws, seven draws, and, um, yeah, sitting in 15th, which is a direct relegation spot, um, behind Anshima Hajkala. But we'll get out, get to that. Um, you know, the one thing we have some positive news too, right, Andrew? Even Ignat, Ignatyevich has finally signed a long-term contract at Krasnodar. Um, we discussed this. There was, there was some debate about this, whether he could even like just see his contract run out, etc. Um, he's one of the biggest talents in Russian football, a player that probably we'll see in a big league in Europe at some point. Um, finally signed a new deal. Um, that's good news, right, Andrew? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Um, I, I have to be honest, the, the manner, with with which Krasnodar relegated him to a second team fairly swiftly made me think this is actually quite a serious thing. Um, you know, young players get advised all the time by agents, look, just hold out for a bigger deal. As soon as you have a few few goals and run a form in the team, you're in demand, you can get more out of this. You see it all the time. And I I thought the club would just simply say, look, don't be stupid. We will give you a new deal, but this is the place for you. Um but the way they sent him to the second team, I thought, this is it. I think he really is going to go. Um, but that would have been a big mistake. The only place uh, talented Russians can really move up from there is Zenit. They've already signed Sardar Asmoon this winter window. Um, and if he was going to go to somewhere like Zenit, he would end up becoming too entrenched. I think it's I think it's the wrong move for almost any talented Russian player at that stage. I know it sounds strange, but Zenit can survive by buying from foreign talent. And that is basically what they end up doing anyway. Um, and I don't think he's nearly ready for a European move yet, although I agree with you that he is one of the brightest talents to, to move on. Um, in a two or three years' time, I think he would be ready. Uh, and I think that's what will happen. Um, and the way that Krasnodar are set up to develop a constant stream of talent, they would survive too. So I think it will be win-win all round of this, getting back in the team, scoring a few goals, Settle down, develop for a year or two, and then we'll see what happens from there. So, good news for him. Um, good news for Russia's youth teams, uh, and possibly he may even get a call up to the senior squad before too long. Mm. Yeah, positive news all around. Um, speaking of senior squads, <laughs> that's actually all going to be our big topic 
um, before we get into the Russian Premier League. Uh, I know we're kind of jumping all over the place today, but it all makes sense. Don't worry. Uh, I'm the quiz master here, so if I say it makes sense, it does. Um, European qualifiers. Boys, we had the first set of real European qualifiers. I guess not really real set of Euro, you know, there was a Nations League somewhere back in November. It's long forgotten now because, uh, my boys beat the Netherlands 3-2. You know, crisis, <laughs> what crisis? I, I don't know what people are talking about. If you go to Amsterdam and you absolutely dominate Oranje, then uh, all is good in my books. And then uh, U21 beats England. Uh, apparently, we're having a crisis in German football. If that, that constitutes that our crisis, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know what other people consider a crisis, but... Um, the Germany group is actually kind of important, boys, because we have two football crowd countries in that, uh, in Estonia and Belarus. And I look at the UEFA Euro 2020 qualifying, uh, homepage and, uh, Northern Ireland are first because they won the first two games. Germany is second because we've only played the one game against the Netherlands, which we won. Just want to point that out one more time. We beat the Netherlands. Didn't <laughs> <laughs> the result, man. I'm glad you actually finally got around to the result. <laughs> uh, I, ha I have to say that was my highlight of the international break. It might even top the skiing. Um, just <laughs> one more time, if you're a Dutch listener, really? you lost that game 3-2. You should have lost the last <laughs> two in the fall as well. But, you know, justice was finally served. I have on my Twitter feed, there's a great goal by Serge Gnabry. He makes some world-class defender look like an old man. I absolutely enjoyed that as well. That's <laughs> not going to stop, is it? <laughs> absolutely enjoyed that. It's the privilege of being the host. Anyhow, um, it's it's interesting, though, because I look at that group, and Netherlands and Belarus have an X, right? Because they won their respective uh, UEFA Nations Leagues, which means they're, they're sure their playoff spot already, um, which is really interesting. Because, you know, even though Belarus are currently last in that group, again, caveat, very early going, there is a chance that a country like Belarus, even though they in a, in a group where probably Netherlands and Germany are going to finish first and second, um, could still qualify, Andrew, which, which makes this fascinating to watch. Well, you're absolutely right. I mean, I think the most interesting side of this is going to be how they approach the the qualifying group i mean if you're if you're a member of the belarus national team um you're going to look at that group and like you say quite obviously the netherlands and germany are going to be the top two teams there's no two ways about it mm. i mean northern ireland have in the last 15 20 years had one or two promising qualifying campaigns um there was one about 12 years ago where they beat spain at home and i think they drew away possibly um but that really is an exceptionally rare um, occurrence. It just isn't going to happen uh, at the moment. So do Belarus put even the slightest bit of effort into the qualification group? Um, I mean, they could try out a lot of young players. Effectively, it's a free run for them, like you say. Yeah. Um, they, there never was any hope of them qualifying from this group. So it's not like they can be accused of not giving the qualifi uh, qualification phase uh due diligence because well what were they going to get anyway so why not experiment why not try new players but in turn it also means the other teams in the group might get a an easier ride so it's it does make it interesting <laughs> um but um yeah i think we're very likely to see at least 
at least three teams, possibly even four, like you say, from this group um, in the finals, which is quite odd, but interesting nonetheless. It could happen if the Netherlands uh, do a boo-boo and uh, finish third, you know, um, because if they finish third, then they would still get into the playoffs um, because the first two go straight to the to the Euros, right? Um, and if the Netherlands finish first or second, then I guess their playoff spot goes to someone else, or it's just yeah. If, don't you're not even going to try to figure that one out. Um, it's, it's, it's your it's from from your favorite tournament of all time, man. It, it would go down that route. But you're right; it does. It would move on, and it it becomes a fluid concept. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, interestingly, on that point, one thing we didn't point out, boys, by the way, um, Russia are the next in line in their league in the Nations League. So basically, any if any of the um, League A, the top tier of the UEFA Nations League, if any of them qualify, sorry, if there are if there are not enough places left in the Nations League after the qualification groups have gone through, Russia will be the next to step up, which is an almost certainty given the strength of those sides anyway. So, um, you know, we've got to we've got to be behind this Nations League. It's going to get Russia into the Euros. We'll get to Russia. Um, I, I personally think Russia will just go into the Euros period, but um, we'll get to that. Um, I first want to go to one of our Balkan countries who surprisingly lost to Hungary. Um, that's Croatia. That's a team that I've followed quite a bit during the, during the, um, during the World Cup. And, um, yeah, and I was like, okay, well, this, this doesn't look good, but this is a country that always does very poorly in qualifying and then, uh, you know, pulls out a performance like they did at the World Cup and finished second. So, Maybe not something to worry too much about. Um, other results also included Ireland beating Georgia. Um, Georgia is, I think, one of these other countries that are also won their Nations League. So yeah, 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 they're in League B. Yeah, they're in, exactly. So you know, another country. Oh, that, D, D. Sorry. Yeah, D. The, um, another one that we can keep an eye on because they could exactly. be in a fortunate position, you know, and. Yeah, we've talked about the expanded tournament, but on the other hand, you know, for football grad, we could have like four or five different football grad countries in this, in this next Euros, which is of course exactly. makes coverage a, a little bit more interesting. But I mean, that Georgia, Georgia is always an interesting one for me, Tim, because it's, 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 it's a huge football country, but ever since the fall of the Soviet Union, they have really struggled to perform, um, to live up to the, the magnitude that the country has when it comes to football. Right? When you go there, they're absolutely crazy for the sport, but yet they, they haven't really produced, um, you know, they haven't qualified for a tournament. They haven't sent any teams to the later stages of the, 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 the club competitions, the UEFA club competitions either. So, I mean, they are overdue making it to a tournament, aren't they? Uh, yes, and I think, you know, even if you take a look at the generation of players, um, you know, there's all, when you're talking about the national team, you have to link it to the current generation. But I think if you mm, take a look at all those generations, you can find some players that you can build a team around. And we've had those uh, players in the past. I think it's just like the, the state of football in the whole country. Um, I don't think that they have too many, um, Academies, which uh, on a regular basis can uh, produce players and give them an opportunity to train. I don't think the league is the strongest. So I think it's, you know, it's, it doesn't have to do with the whole um, nation as a footballing nation or not. I think it's more has to do with politics, with money and then just availability for the players to 
um, uh, to play football. But uh, obviously, that's historically we talked about it in the past that Dynamo Tbilisi was of the clubs, was one of the top clubs in in Soviet football. They won the European competition. They always produced lots of players for the national team, and it's just shame that you know they're very very behind if you compare it to other uh, former USSR nations, even like obviously Ukraine has been and Russia has been very successful on that front. Uh, but then sometimes from time to time we had this uh, Latvia Euro appearance and. Um, we had a couple of little successes, but really nothing from Georgia. So it's sad to, sad to see because they always have been known for playing a technical, beautiful football, which was really easy on the eye. So um, this is again the team. So in the group, uh, in the League D of uh, Europa, uh, Europe League nations. So we have Georgia, Macedonia, Kosovo, and Belarus. So we have two football god nations, and potentially one of those nations, if they win the League D, as I understand, they can qualify for the uh, qualifying round. And who knows if they get lucky, uh, maybe they can get to the round. So obviously, you know, we something that for us will be great if Georgia or Belarus will make it to Euro 2020. That will be great for football god. Yeah, and look out for uh, Georgi Chakvitadze, plays for Ghent. Um, seven national team games, five goals. We have a scout or a report actually up on him on footballgrad.com. Um, he's one of two Gen players to look out for. The, the other one is actually Jonathan David, a young Canadian, um, playing fantastic football. So maybe there's a star in the making there. You know, they haven't had a big international star, I think, since, um, well, Levan Kubiashvili, of course, we mentioned in the quiz, but also Shota Afelatze, um, mm-hmm. who played for Ajax, right? Should we mention King Kladze, that Georgian player, which Andrew later likes? Oh, yeah, King Kladze. Sharma. I have Sharma. Just remember that. You snotty little... Damn it. I'd be explicit again. Um, okay. Speaking of explicit, uh, the, the, this next section would have gotten us there anyways because uh, Russia went to, <laughs> went to uh, Kazakhstan uh, more precisely to Nur Sultan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still laughing about that one. Um, yeah, uh, it, it's, it's been a bit of a running gag. Nur Sultan is for those people who have been living under a rock and, uh, like no shame mind. on you like me last <laughs> week. Uh, that is the capital of Kazakhstan. They re actually need renamed it, uh, from Astana to Nur Sultan. Uh, funny enough, I actually sat in the press box at BC Place on Sunday, Andrew, next to mm. a reporter from Scotland, and he thought it was absolutely hilarious. Listen to the podcast, and uh, yeah, he was like, <laughs> he, he just he just thought it was absolutely brilliant um, that they went to went to Astana, got beaten, and come, came back from Nur Sultan. He said that's the most Scottish story ever. So. <laughs> but uh Russia went to Nur Sultan and um did, w- did well. Did well. They did what they needed to do. Um basically highlighted the goal for quality between well, I mean there's Belgium on the very top, I think then there's Russia, and then there's a big golf and then there's everyone else. Um because <laughs> poor Scotland. Um, I don't know if any of you followed this, this the San Marino game, but it, it was not good. Um, so uh, I, I think <laughs> Russia is looking very good now, Andrew. Yeah, 100%. I mean, um, the, I, watching the, the Kazakhstan against Scotland game, I was interested to see, 
um, because I'd, I'm not so familiar with a lot of the, the Scottish players as I used to be, um, because they used to play for good clubs. Now, they there are some good players in the Scottish side, like I mentioned, as Callum McGregor is one I'm a big fan of, and I thought he could be dangerous. They had an interesting side, but Kazakhstan blocks them out by basic, simple tactics, by man-marking them, making life difficult. And I thought Russia were going to struggle as well, if I'm honest. I thought they would win, but it might be a very narrow win at best, which is all you, you don't really care at this stage of a qualification campaign anyway. You just want the three points on the board. Um, but in the end, um, yeah, I have to be honest, um, Russia were, were fantastic. Um, the, this setup was right. Ozdoyev coming in was a very, very good move. Uh, Akutov was more settled. So yeah, I mean, you know, you've got, you've got some experienced players in that side. Um, Artem Juba up front, he played well. He got his goal, broke his goal drought. Um, quite importantly, actually, I'd say. Um, but Cherishev out wide is just, he, he offers something that Russia haven't had for quite some time, which is a genuine out and out winger. Uh, and it, it begs the question a little bit to, from the outside at least, why he is taking so long to integrate him into the, into the national team setup. I mean, of course, being based out in Spain and not being a regular for a few years is part of it, but, uh, he was, he was excellent once again. Um, Akratov is now looking like a fully fledged national team player. Two starts. He's done well. Um, and, and also a lot of players weren't, uh, weren't fit. No Igor Akinfeyev. Um, no Miranchuk brothers, uh, from the start at least. So, uh, it's just a really satisfying performance. Um, three points from those first two games is about as, as much as you could have hoped for. Yeah, you know, I'm a huge Cherisher fan. I'm outing myself right here, right now. I think since the World Cup, he's been Russia's best player. You know, he's probably talent-wise already been, you know, up there. But for some reason, they just didn't, didn't manage to get him fully going. But for me, uh, he was one of the, the players to watch at the World Cup. Um, did very well there, right? And, it's about, as you said, Andrew, it's about time that they get him going because, um, for too long, his talent was pretty much overlooked, right? And, um, no manager really found a good usage of him. And you, you see in this game what, what, what amount of quality he brings to a team just because of his international experience. And remember, he's pretty much the only player who's playing abroad for a European top club, right? So it's really kind of a shame that it took this long, but I mean, Things can be rectified, I guess. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy every time I see him. I mean, Tim, he, those goals that he scored at the World Cup and now this, um, he's almost irreplaceable right now for the team, isn't he? Yeah. He has some crazy statistics, something like seven on goals in nine games or something insane. Yeah. Like he, so I don't remember the exact number, but it's very impressive. But yeah, he, he really developed and, um, it's, he is, he always has been that player who has been always struggled with injuries and he picks up the injury and then he said has to pick up the form. But recently, obviously the World Cup, uh, luckily for Russia, he, uh, he didn't have any problems, health and, uh, injury problems. Looks like right now he's in good form because I follow his, uh, sp Spanish, uh, part of career and he's doing well and he's producing assists and goals, uh, playing in La Liga. And, um, I'm very, very happy to see him that he's still doing uh, well for Russia. I think, um, 
yeah, he's definitely one of the leaders. And both of them, after the game uh, against Kazakhstan, him and Zuba, both of them in separate interviews, um, kind of mentioned that they both have uh, a very good uh, partnership between two of them. Uh, Zuba said in his, you know, uh, funny way and his humorous way how he always talks. And then Cherishev also m- m- uh, mentioned in the interview that he really feels a good partnership with Zuba of that. Uh, so that's, that's obviously a good thing uh, for the national team because Zuba is the captain and he is there. I'm pretty sure at least uh, until 2020, Cherishev was the same. So that if the two leaders of the attack have a good uh, understanding partnership, that obviously benefits uh, the national team. So I'm, I'm excited as well uh, for him. Um, we just need to make sure, like, it's hard for us to make sure, but I need, I mean, that the, just to hope that he will stay away from injuries and he will get ready for the key games in the qualifying and hopefully in Euro 2020. But it's, you know, hard to control. So we'll just wish him luck and we'll follow the, his Spanish career and uh, in, uh, games for national team. Yeah, before we move on from uh, this Russia-Kazakhstan, so uh, Wikipedia now put in an official request to change the title of the page Astana to uh, Nur Sultan. <laughs> By the way, it's Nur slash Sultan. Two words. Um, just a uh, few future references. Uh, if you ever do previews, Andrew, that's that's the official spelling, apparently. Nur slash Sultan. Huh? Oh, that's interesting. Uh, on, on a completely different and more relevant note, uh, Russia playing San Marino in Saransk, June 8th, and then uh, Cyprus in Nizhny Novgorod, uh, June 11th. So, mm, not exactly the most difficult challenges. Uh, speaking of difficult challenges, um, you know, <laughs> our friends in Ukraine started very, very well into this into the, the the qualifiers they beat uh they got a draw zero sorry they did not beat they got a zero zero draw against Portugal um a very good result uh in my books but um late win against Luxembourg but Andrew all of that might not matter because it sounds like there's a lot of rumors going around there, out there, out there. I retweeted, um, one from our friends from Soya Lodonsk. Um, Junior Morales, I was surprised when they called him up because I was kind of aware of this. Um, because he was out on loan to, Ch- to China for half a season, somehow ended up with a Ukrainian passport. And there has been some Ukrainian passport irregularities or, uh, let's say handouts in the past. And in this case, it might bite him into the butt because it looks like he, he's just short of qualifying for that FIFA eligibility. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I mean, I'm in two minds about this, um, Mirage situation, to be honest, because my, my understanding is that the, the simple rule is you have to have spent five uninterrupted years after the age of 18 in a country to qualify for citizenship in that second country. So that's the basic, sati- uh, that's the requirements. Um, and he was up to four years and eight months before he went on loan but to... On the, yeah, exactly, yeah, until he went to loan to it, China, yeah. Until so he went on loan to China. And so in total, he spent more than five years as a resident in Ukraine. Yeah. But that's not what the official rules state. So, to be fair, um, there isn't much of a leg that Ukraine can have to stand on because he's not fulfilled the criteria. 
And in, on that basis, the punish, the usual punishment would be, be awarding a three point win, uh, a three nil win, sorry, to the two teams that they have faced so far, which would give Luxembourg a three nil win. And that nil nil result in Portugal, which like you say was a fantastic result, um, would be completely wasted for a very, very sloppy oversight, basically. And just very limited minutes of playing him. Well, yeah, I mean, it's that, there's that as well, isn't there? Um, it's not like this is the guy who's um, who's who scored the goals that got them the points, or has been has played all the way through the games. It's I just think it's very it's very sloppy, really. I mean, there must be somebody in the Ukrainian setup who, when they're going through the process of naturalising a player, you you look at the regulations, you don't trip yourself up. Um, but they have, um, and you know, this is a guy who'll be thirty two in, a, in a, next week, so. It's not even going to be an, a, a naturalization that will last for, for very long at all anyway. So, um, they really are going to be kicking themselves in the feet if, um, uh, if this, uh, supposed punishment comes through. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a really odd one to, to be quite frank because it, we, we have a big, big story on Junior Morales and, uh, you're right. He will be 32 April 4th and, um, I mean, to be fair, he's been tearing up the Ukrainian Premier League playing for Shakhtar Donetsk. Sure. Um, that said, why, why be so short-sighted about this, right? Um, yes, they, they're, they're having issues with strikers, defined strikers for the Ukrainian national team. It's, it's something that, uh, Marko Temnitsky pointed out in his preview for Football Grad, right? That there is a real lack of forwards in the country at the moment, um, the, the country that produced the likes of Shevchenko. But that said, they have a lot of attacking wingers. So, you know, it's, they can produce goals without a true number nine. Um, and yes, you have a player in your league that's absolutely tearing apart the league, but make sure that if you call the guy up, that he's actually illegible, right? And, uh, I, <laughs> I didn't understand the call up because like I actually always thought and apparently maybe I'm wrong about this, but I always thought it was five continuous years, Andrew, in the country and that the clock mm. resets to zero when you leave. Which, yeah, I mean it's um residency issues is something I've had to do with myself yeah. as a foreigner in, in Russia and um the it's a, it's a similar time frame that you have to be it's not exactly the same rules, but you have to have there was a very specific number of days that you're allowed to leave the country to qualify for residency. Yeah. Anybody doing it, you just, you don't take chances. Um, and it, it just, it just baffles me a little bit. Um, I mean, like you say, his six, it, the call up in itself is not the baffling part. It's the fact that they don't just, just check these sort of details well, or at least, or at the very least say, look, okay, we, if they say to you, wave up fever, whoever is in charge of these naturalization issues, say, look, we are aware that five years is the minimum continuous term. Yes, he did leave the country just before five years, but he has lived there for longer. Can we make an exception in some way or just he is dedicated to the country, blah, blah, blah. It wouldn't have been difficult to do. Um, but they haven't done it. Remember how long Russia waited with Mario Fernandez, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They ticked and crossed all the boxes. Um, good for the Russian football union. I'm not saying the Russian football union is any more qualified than the <laughs> football federation of Ukraine. 
Um, I think they can both give each other the hands for incompetency <laughs> sometimes. But they, in that case, they really did wait until all the boxes were ticked because they, they had to remember. I, I remember this because they called him up a few times and did not use him because... Yeah, simply, for friendly games, yeah. Yeah, because the, he did not tick all the boxes. And with this one, they're like, okay, well, I guess he ticks some of the boxes. Let's play him. And yeah, I guess Andrei Shevchenko, the former Russian striker, was really desperate to field a striker. And uh, this one might actually yeah, come back to haunt them. I hope not, because it would be a real shame, because that's two very good results. Um, I know they got very lucky to beat Luxembourg late, but... This Luxembourg side right now is not the equivalent of Andorra and San Marino. Uh, Luxembourg is actually a good team. Remember, they got a point against France in the World Cup qualifiers. They they could be they could be one of those stories like Iceland and actually make it to a tournament um, because they have a bit of a golden generation right now. It's very good, work especially done there. if they got the extra few points from Ukraine because yeah. yeah, they really have a good generation right now who play and really if they get uh, the three points from Ukraine. Uh, plus, they have their own three points, so they will be on six points, and as as of stance, they will be leaders of the group. So, you know, that's... Yeah, we'll have to see how this situation develops, because this is very interesting. Yeah, it is a very interesting one. So we'll, we'll definitely keep an eye on it and an update, and maybe bring back uh, Vadim at some point and see uh, what he Yeah, using his about. Ukrainian and his law talents. That's his yeah. topic. He, 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 well, I'll send him a message. Uh, you know, he can, he can lawyer us and he can uh, Ukrainian us. So, um, perfect combination. Um, boys, that more or less concludes our Euro 2020 qualifiers. Um, first two rounds. Um, I've, I, I've, I have to really say how happy I was about this international break. A, I got two weeks off, more or less. Well, I covered some games. So it's it. I was at a, it was a World Cup game in Canada and then covered the Germany game, which was an absolute pleasure. Absolute <laughs> pleasure. Just How, what was the result? Remind me. Uh, uh, Germany won 3-2. It was great. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> really? No way. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a big deal, Andrew. You know, we, that, the Netherlands, <laughs> unlike this country from some island, is actually a rival. Um, so. <laughs> It's, 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 yeah, we, 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 we stroll through qualification groups. It's, we basically have, we have a God-given right to be in finals tournaments, you see, being English. So we don't need to worry about the, yeah, tiddling little qualifiers. It don't matter. To, to be us, fair, so. you actually have a good team at the moment. Um, not gonna lie. Yes, you do. That's true. <laughs> It's, but uh, no, no, I bet, I bet even no money, even you will be able to find a way to twist that to be Germany's fault because, yeah, um, we so made it's it. the <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Sancho is developing in a, some, some tiny and little. And he's showing by example, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, in the whole field. Yeah. Now you just need to play all those talented players in the Premier League. Uh, maybe that will be an important next step to actually win something. Um, but yeah, we'll get to that when the time comes. I shouldn't laugh too much because I think this is probably the, the biggest chance in our lifetime for any England fan to see their team win something. So I'm going to hold back. I'm going to just hold back a little bit and talk about the Russian Premier League instead um, because it's coming back. Oh, thank God club football is back. It means a lot of work, but it also means uh, meaningful games. So shall we go through the list of the games that we actually have? We have a Moscow derby this week. Um, that's kind of interesting. So um we we're gonna start on Friday with uh Krilia Soveto of Arsenal Tula finally Friday games. Yay. Um really looking forward to it. Yenisai Krasnoyarsk against Ruben Kazan on Saturday. 
Uh, I guess actually that's a late Friday game. It's a Saturday game if you in uh, in North America. Uh, <laughs> Dynamo Moscow against Lok Moscow, the derby. Uh, small derby. We'll we get to that in a second. Ahmad Krasny against Spartak. Um, Rostov against Ural. I know Andrew's going to keep a close eye on that one. Uh, relegation trouble for his side there. So, um, or maybe Europa League. Huh. If you're confused about that, listen back to the last week's podcast. It could, it could literally go either way. It is, there's just six points between relegation and Europa League at the moment. If that six spot becomes a Europa League spot, which seems likely. Uh, Zenit to Orenburg title challenge, the Gazprom derby. Um, yeah, that's because Orenburg, uh, essentially owned one way or another. They had to change their name out of that. Um, used to be a Gazprom club. Maybe still is. Um, go try to figure that out. Ceska Moscow against Ufa. Um, yeah, second against 15th. That's going to be an interesting match. Don't assume that Ceska will just win that. Um, new coach, all that. And then Krasnodar against Anshi Mahachkala. I kind of cursed Anshi, uh, Krasnodar a little bit by saying they would win the title. It hasn't gone well since. So, yeah. Interesting games. I guess, uh, Tim, the one to really look out for is that small Moscow derby, uh, which looks like it's still not, is, is that actually finally at the Dynamo Stadium? No, what's, no, what's no, 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 it's the beautiful Hemke still. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> so. uh, I think that's actually the only game which kind of, um, has a question of the top, uh, five, um, in terms of result. I think this, this will be, uh, a little bit of prediction here for me. I think this will be the, uh, the, um, the, the match day when top four, top five will transform in top, uh, four because I think that, uh, Zenit will easily win against Orenburgs. I don't think Ciska will easily, but they will win against Ofa. Uh, Krasnodar will win against Anjim Mohachkala. I think Lokomotiv has enough to take over Dynamo and I think Spartak will struggle in Grozny and uh, won't get three points. And that will mean that they will kind of will be, uh, left out of that, uh, race, uh, for the Champions League. And I think the Lokomotiv, Krasnodar, Ciska and Zenit will keep fighting for this, uh, final three, um, Champions League spots and Spartak will just be fighting for that, uh, hoping to get somehow to the fourth spot. Uh, the, so I think that's, that's kind of how I see it. But I, the interesting game is Rostov Ural. Um, and I'm not saying only because Andrew is on the pod, but also because really it's, uh, again, referring to what we had said last, uh, last week. It's really six points between relegation and, and Europe. And this result can really shift, um, both teams in kind of both directions. That's why it's funny. And also the, um, uh, important game for Krilia Savietov against Arsenal Tula. They have been on a very good run, uh, with all the transfers, uh, incoming transfers in, in the winter. And I think right now they are capable of beating Arsenal Tula. And if they do, they will even more solidify, uh, their spot and, um, their chances of not playing any relegation, uh, football in, in June. So that's kind of my overview of the, uh, upcoming games. I'm actually going to go to Andrew on this one. Andrew, massive six-pointer in the relegation Europa League fight. <laughs> it is one of the most bizarre six-pointers, but you're absolutely right. It really is. It absolutely is. Um, you know, one little uh, element to add into this game is that Ural will have their, their Russian Cup semi-final first leg uh, a few days later to, to think about. Oh. Um, so, you know, how much they're going to rest players for that. I actually suspect, I don't want to admit it, but I suspect they will be looking at the cup. 
Um, of course, of course, surviving in the Premier League is absolutely critical. But um, I think I still think at this stage there's enough faith in the side that they will be able to climb back out of the relegation playoff zone. And like we've hinted at before, even if they were, I don't think the Fennell teams are going to cause too much trouble. But uh, anyhow, um, it, it is it is absolutely ridiculous, and it's for those people who enjoy the madness of the well the the squashed middle of the table. It worked out mathematically very well that the top of that group are playing the bottom of that group. When or I'll win, of course, um, it means it will be an even closer group of teams. So, um, no, realistically though, I I'd go along mostly with what with what Tim's saying. Um, for the middle of the table, which is arguably the most interesting part of the table because it's so unpredictable, I'd say this is probably the, the, the key fixture. Um, Ural cannot keep a clean sheet to save their lives. Rostov have struggled to, to win games recently, um, in the league at least. So it's uh, it really is very hard to predict, but you'd have to say if Ural came away with three points, it would be quite a shock. Yeah, um, not necessarily. You never know. You set yourself up nicely. So, um, but Andrew, I'm going to stay with you because <laughs> there was actually some football national league action, um, during the international break. I, I love how mm. some leagues just keep going. Um, you know, they're like, <laughs> whatever. <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> it, it, we're laughing. It's actually not an outlier. Major league soccer here in, in North America had a bunch of games and, uh, the third division in Germany, um, which I cover quite a bit because my club is in at 1860, right? They, they actually played as well. So that made my weekend even better because they won too. Um, and yeah, a uh, great result against Meppen. But it, it, not about me. This is about, this is about you because, um, <laughs> I have the football national league and we don't cover this league as often as we should. I personally am a big fan of the competition. Uh, I don't watch too many games, not because, you know, I don't want to, but because it's very hard to get. But I, I just love the, the huge, the, the fact that this is this massive league that literally spans the entire, well, European Asian continent because it's like there's teams from all over Russia in it, right? And it's an interesting competition at the moment. You are going to see Tom Tomsk, a team that went bankrupt, crashed out of the Russian Premier League, might now return, but Andrew is only three points ahead of uh, FC Dynamo St. Petersburg based in Sochi. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it, it is it is going to be it's going to be interesting to see how that promotion race um heats up. Like you know, I've mentioned so many times before, and a lot of people put it down to my bias, and I I will admit I do occasionally have a tendency to be biased in certain occasions. But there is there is the reason why I think it is such a fascinating division is that there's such such li such small gap in quality between. Almost the entire league, and I, I mean that in all sincerity, I really do. Um, so, you know, Tom Tom's coming to Tumen. You look at that second in the table, coming to now third bottom Tumen. Uh, it should be it should be a terrifying prospect. I'm I'm genuinely not remotely concerned. I would be disappointed if Tumen don't control the game. And I'm I, like I say, I mean this seriously. Any team at home will expect to control the game. Um, there's, I mean, there are there are some results which um, I, I would I would pick out here. Um, Chitanova losing at home to Tambov was a big result for them because they are still Chitanova 
are the youth side that, uh, again, they came to Chimbun two weeks ago, um, drew and were the second best team for most of the game. Um, and Tamboff top of the table, uh, they get a win away and suddenly Chitanov are down in seventh, but they're only two points off the playoffs. It's impossible to predict. Um, and those distances you mentioned, Manu, they are part of the fascination and also part of the problem, which again, we've mentioned before, the organization of the lower leagues. Yeah. Um, the distances are just unimaginable. Um, the, the only other competition, interestingly, that I know of that comes even close is, is actually the French Cup. Because <laughs> the French overseas territories in, I believe, is it Tahiti possibly somewhere in the South Pacific actually take part in the, the Coupe de France? Yeah, there's an island uh, just south of Madagascar, right? That like takes part in it. We don't have Thomas Farines on here because he's a big fan of the, the French <laughs> Cup and he could have, he could give us lessons about this. But yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. I think I would actually argue though, Andrew, that Major League Soccer comes pretty close as well because it's like, it's stretched north, uh, east to west, mm -hmm. but also north to south or across the entire continent, right? So maybe as a league competition, maybe yeah. the only one that comes close. Um, but the French Cup probably in terms of long distances, you know, should, we should probably put some maps up or something and compare it all. But yeah, I, yeah, I, it's, 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 yeah, you're right, man. Actually, yeah, that's a good point you mentioned about. MLS being north to south as well as east to west. It's, yeah. um, it's the only one that league certainly that comes close on a scale. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, it's, it, there is, there is quality in the Fennel. There are some young players, um, from not just the, the bigger names of the level, like, like Chitanabu, Krasadars, um, feeder team Spartak, Dubu. Um, but, you know, all through the league, you find some players who really should be playing at a higher level. Um, Just it's it's a cutthroat world. Um, who survives is is uh, it's a relegation from the Fennel. Now that is a terrifying prospect. Yeah, um, I was going to ask you about that because that's a prospect that you're looking at um, it, with two men at the moment. Um, mm. it, it, that's it's it actually interesting because two men, um, a side that could also play for promotion, right? As you often point out. Same with Baltica, another team that did very well last year. They're in a relegation spot at the moment. Fackel, mm. Voronezh, um, they were pretty close to promotion as well last year. They are currently just 15th and on, on the same points as Baltica. So one of those two teams could go down. Um, I, I reckon it will be Voronezh because Baltica have a World Cup stadium. Um, <laughs> yeah. you guys all know my theories on that. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, interesting okay. one, but at him, I'm kind of going to take, put this one to you. FC Tampoff. We can get anything delivered from furniture to toilet paper. And now, adult beverages with Drizzly. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly's giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code EASY5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. We'll have to get used to it. They're going yeah, to be looks the, like. They're going to be in the Premier League next year. They have a stadium for 5,000 people. And we're only founded in 2013. Uh, where are they going to play? 
Yeah, there were some rumors that they're going to play in uh, Volgograd, I believe, uh, because obviously there's a World Cup stadium. But again, I've seen them both playing in Volgograd. That just sounds a um, little bit ridiculous. But at the same time, their stadium, I don't think it's uh, Premier League uh, qualified, so you can't really play on it. So they would have to find some kind of uh, decision. I, I believe that uh, Tambov is not super close to uh, Volgograd, so I don't think that's the ideal uh, decision, but again, like a, a little bit basing on what Andrew said last time, and I want to ask him a question and a little bit do a little bit more research on the uh, Tambov squad. They definitely need uh, improvement for the Premier League because, um, to me, I've been following um, Russian Premier League since development since 1992, and I definitely figured out the rule that if you take a side uh, from FNL and bring it, uh, in, you know, qualify to play in Russian Premier League, and if you don't make any changes, you go and straight uh, back up. As a back down, sorry, to, to FNL. This is just the rule which I have been following and it's never let yeah. me down. And I have so many examples like my team from Sibir Novosibirsk. We didn't make any changes, went straight down. Himki did the same thing, uh, early on. Um, Skahabarovsk, we can give you so many different examples when you don't strength the side with the experienced Premier League players. Um, you're yeah. going, you're going back. So they have only a few players who can be considered and only just a little bit as the experienced players. Um, so yeah, they definitely need, um, so we can, we can see them play. We can see completely different side playing next year in Russian Premier League on a different stadium and hopefully with a different squad. Uh, but, um, but yeah, this is the team which we, like you said, we need to get, um, used to because it looks like they're going to, to join. Russian Premier League next season. The name Tambov originates from the Moksha language, oh. the word Tomba, which means abyss or deep pool. <laughs> Could well be appropriate for their prospects in a year's time. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, in, in all seriousness, though, what you mentioned, Tim, about a squad, you're, you're 100% right. Um, there was few players in the squad who have you know, flirted with Premier League football. Um, flirted, this is exactly correct. Pierka, I think, played for Angie. Um, and and they, they, Daniel Klonkin is a player to watch out for. Um, he, of course, made his name at Tumen, as the whole world knows. Um, <laughs> but he, he it, it's, a, it's a very interesting, genuinely a very interesting point. Daniel Klonkin, without exaggeration, he is one of the best Fennel midfielders. He's a really good playmaker. He's very quick. He's a very aggressive passer. Um, he's just a perfect player for this level. Um, and he, he signed for, um, Krylia Sovietov last summer. We just couldn't break into the side. And he straight away came back to Tambov, uh, and linked up with the greatest striker of all time. Um, <laughs> but, um, what are you listeners talking about? I don't know who you mean the greatest striker of all time. Hassan Ramtov, of course. Yeah. Uneducated humans. Um, but no, in, in all seriousness, it's, it's, that's, that's the level we're talking. Yeah. You've got genuinely one of the best players in the Fennel. Um, and he couldn't make even the match day squad for a lower, and at the time, bearing in mind, first half of the season, Crelia was struggling. Um, couldn't, they scored, I think, something like three goals in the first nine home games. Um, and this is a player who couldn't even get in the match day squad for that type of side. That's the, that's the gap we're talking. Between Fennel and Premier League. Yeah, it's an interesting competition. And I also just looked up the distance between Tambov and Volgograd. If Tambov were to play in Volgograd, it's uh, 526 kilometers, about six to seven hours to drive. So Tambov fans, 
can experience can do the same experience as and Andrew does every other week. Yeah, fa- fantastic. <laughs> uh, I I love I love the the home to game distances. Um, <laughs> yeah, always always something to laugh about. But yeah, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it. I mean, there might be a team in Volgograd playing at a World Cup stadium. Uh, we all know that licensings and changes of names can be pretty quick. <laughs> as we found out with Dinamo St. Petersburg FC Sochi. Um, this one is for you, Saul Pope, just for you. Anyways, boys, we, we are out of time, unfortunately. I, I think we have to do a proper Football National League update at some point. Um, there's so much there to chat about, so uh, we definitely should spend some time on it. But yeah, that's for another podcast, uh, for another day. Um, until then, um, Andrew, what's going on in your life? Like, where can people find you, etc.? Feel free to promote whatever you want to promote. Well, uh, if you happen to be passing through Western Siberia, you can find me at the Geolog Stadium on Saturday. Your <laughs> uh, Katerinburg next midweek for genuinely a crucial game: Arsenal Tula Russian Cup semi-final on the Wednesday. Um, and then after that, I'll be editing the next uh, edition of the Total Football Analysis magazine, um, which is basically my main main job at the moment. And it's, I have to be honest, it is just going from strength to strength, covering lots of leagues. And brilliantly, we've got an article coming up on Krasnodar in that edition. So keep your eyes open for that. Yeah, fantastic stuff. Definitely keep your eyes open for that and um, make sure to follow Andrew on Twitter so you can actually find all the stuff. Um Looking forward to the Krasnodar article, not going to lie. Uh, Tim, how about you? I'm busy with finishing uh, our debut release uh, with uh, my band. It will be six songs. It's almost done. It's just being mixed and mastered, and it's the final touches. And uh, Football Girl listeners can hear six Russian songs of uh, Russian punk rock uh, very, very soon. And then on April 20th, we're playing an album release show in Vancouver. So if you're a listener in Vancouver... Uh, feel free to come to on April 20th at the White Hall. It should be a good show. And you can follow me on Rocket from Russia on Instagram and on uh, Twitter, RussianTim61. Good venue, too. Just Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just want to throw that out there. Um, yeah, you, you can follow me at ManuelVef. Um, I'm up to my usually usual shenanigans of um, tweeting tweeting great goals scored by great German players against <laughs> slow Dutch defenders. Um, and <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I promise this is the last mention of this. And um, yeah, also this episode of the football grad. We have many more. <laughs> it is a gegenpressing podcast coming up too, which oh. I want to plug. Uh, that's next week. I'm going to be able to mention it one more time. I'm sure in that one, uh, especially as I'm not the host, so I don't need to behave. And, um, yeah, you can find all that content at Football Grad Live. Um, Bundesliga is back. Russian Premier League is back. Um, lots of games going on. So, um, yeah, follow, follow at Football Grad Live to, to follow all the content that we produce. Yeah. I've been your host, Manuel Wef. Until next week. Dos Vedania.
It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working... The HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.